Hello and welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Technology Tools to Improve the Virtual Workplace. I'm Katina Brunson, and today we're joined by Clint Keith, author of Remote Teamwork Tools. Clint, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us about making the most out of remote development teams and projects. Oh, thank you, Katina. Happy to be here. All right. In the last few episodes, we've been talking about things unique to businesses and organizations operating remotely or even virtually. In the last year, so many of us have had to suddenly shift from traditional ways of working to remote work. So this is a timely discussion, and I'm so glad you're here to have it with us today. Before we get started, can you first tell us a bit about your background? Uh, Sure. Yeah, I uh, developed video games for almost 20 years, and about a dozen years ago, I uh, became a full-time trainer and coach and visit about uh, 10 to 20 studios a year, and most have some sort of uh, remote or distributed uh, work patterns that they've been following. Uh, So I've uh, been able to kind of experience what's, what's worked and what hasn't worked, which led to this book. Okay. So can you tell us a, a little bit about the book overall? Sure. It's like I mentioned, it's uh, working with studios and in every studio I visit, I see look, one or two great practices that they do. Something that I've never seen that helps them uh, with remote work, with distributed work. And um, so what that led to was about uh, uh, several years ago, a, uh, a friend of mine, Grant Schonkweiler, who is the co-author of the book, discussing, it's like, you know, we should, with their permission, kind of write some of these practices down uh, to get an initial set of them and then um, and then uh, collaborate and gather similar practices that have been used across the industry for the, the past dozen years. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, I feel like, you know, that you've already kind of answered the next question that I was curious to ask about for our listeners, which is, how you found the over 100 tools that you decided to cover within the book. So it it sounds like you've kind of already answered that question, but I guess what I would like to know is uh, what was the criteria that you used to make the selection for the, for the tips that actually made it into the book? Well, that was actually the fun part is that we only came up with about 30 or 40 of them. And what we did, and this was this was a few years back, is that we were at a we were at a conference, and um, we invited uh, we filled up a room, uh, one or two hundred people, uh, from around the industry, and and uh, shared with the progress. And then we just did a workshop all day where they they kind of gathered, they discussed these practices that they used that wasn't part of it, and wrote them down. And uh, we've got, actually got several hundred practices out of that that uh, we had the group kind of vote down to get at least uh, 60 or 70 extra ones that uh, we felt would be, would be in part of the book. And, and part of the criteria too, which was challenging, was to make sure that each of these practices fit into one page uh, piece. You know, in some, you'd kind of want to put two or three pages to kind of describe it, but it turned out to be a great criteria because it really focuses you on communicating exactly what we're doing and why we're we're doing this practice and what's the benefit. The whole idea was just to not tell people, you know, do these practices, but but just to be kind of a reference of experiments they can they can work with and so things they can try because I mean with all the innovation and change, especially in the last year since the start of the pandemic, you know, we've we've seen such huge change. 
we don't want to settle on one way of working. We want to have, we want to try different things. And, and so the focus on this book, even before the pandemic was, here's a list of experiments. Here's things you can try. And uh, with any experiment, kind of try it out for a few weeks, come back, evaluate it. Did that help us? Well, let's keep doing it. If not, let's stop doing it and try pick something else out of the book. Understood. That sounds like it was a really fun process. I would have liked to have been a part of that. It sounds really interesting. It was a lot of fun. It was it was a really fun day of, you know, we brought a we brought this uh, this large ball with a, a microphone built into it. And at the end of the day, we kind of voted by tossing this ball around and kind of playing volleyball with it. And the person that scored a point could talk into the microphone. And we just invented games on the fly. And, you know, part of this is, I think, you know, finding things that are fun. You know, not, not only finding things that are productive, but th- finding things that build teamwork and collaboration, which I think with remote working, it's it's one of the few downsides is that, you know, it's hard to build teamwork and collaboration or a little bit harder when it's over a video link instead of face-to-face. It certainly is. And, and that's a really important point and something that I know many of us are struggling with. And one of the reasons why your book can be so helpful for those of us that have shifted to remote work. And that actually brings me to my next question, Clint. What do you feel are the benefits of the sudden shift to remote work over the last year? I mean, they're huge. And I just, you know, one of the things I think about is, is where we live right now. Uh, we moved out from San Diego, you know, very busy city, uh, to the mountains in, in southwest Colorado about four years ago uh, when our youngest son went off to college. And it's really remote out here. I mean, I could walk out my door and walk for 75 miles straight and not cross a road. And uh, But it's very hard to work out here when we weren't remote. You know, I was flying to all of my, my, my clients. Um, and so we live on this converted ranch that has a hundred houses on it. And about, about a year ago, there was about 20 houses for sale. And some of them had been for sale for a couple years because it's very hard to work out here, um, and live out in the middle of, you know, at 7,500 feet in the mountains. Well, all that changed over the last, I would say six to nine months, all of those houses have sold. They've sold largely to people that have moved out from California, a lot of people from the Bay Area, from uh, Seattle, where prices for houses are incredible, million-dollar houses that are 1,000 square feet, for example. And so they moved out here because, because they can work remotely and they can live in this environment. We have people from Google here and from Boeing that, you know, they they put in their 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 best, most fo- focused four to six hours a day, and then they go running in the, in through the forest. And uh, so it's a, it's a very improved kind of work life balance and they're just as productive. Um, and um, you know, houses here go up for sale and they rarely last over a couple of days and there's a bidding war for each house. And uh, so I think people realize with the options of working remotely that I can kind of choose really where I want to live instead of where, you know, I'm forced to live. You know, it's in order to work at Google, I have to buy, a, you know, this incredibly expensive house and stay in a traffic jam uh, in the Bay Area. Um, then now they have choices and they're making them. That's so true, Clint. And I think that places around the country are starting to notice the same phenomenon. I've definitely read articles lately about how, you know, folks are migrating away from California and into other places that are more reasonably priced just because they're not they're not required to live in a certain area anymore. 
And we're certainly seeing it. Absolutely. So what do you see as the greatest challenge of remote work in the current environment? Well, it kind of gets back to what I mentioned earlier is in terms of in terms of teamwork, um, you know, collaboration. One of the techniques I, ch- I teach is, you know, how small groups of cross-disciplined people can explore a new product, you know, like, a, like a video game or any kind of creative product. And that involves a lot of swarming on a problem. It involves a lot of uh, subjective conversations. You know, you, you try something in a video game and as a programmer, I want to turn to an artist and, and hand them the controller and say, how does this feel? Is this what you were thinking about? Uh, and so there's a little bit more overhead in doing that uh, with remote work. And uh, instead of just being able to kind of turn around and say something over your shoulder, now we have to go through, you know, set it up, make contact. I think people still, you know, what they what they do with remote work, they set certain periods of time where they're just, I just want to focus without any interruptions, without a Zoom call. And, um, you know, and, and, and that might put additional barriers. But, you know, these are things that we've seen in the video game industry, especially, and many industries have seen with, they've been doing remote and distributed work for the for the, uh, you know, for the last 20 years. And uh, especially with time zone differences can create problems. And there's ways of overcoming that. And again, this is one of the reasons for the book is, you know, try this, you know, and uh, experiment with certain times of day or certain days of the week where there's no meetings and, and you know, try different tools out there for instantaneous messaging that aren't so disruptive. And, um, I think, you know, some of these tools don't exist yet, and uh, there's a lot of experimentation going on. Uh, for example, you know, I I still teach classes, and I've transitioned a lot of those away from Zoom into virtual worlds, where we have avatars running around and, um, you know, working at their virtual desks, and that actually replicates the working environment far better than a video-based uh, system like Zoom. And you don't feel so self-conscious as you would in Zoom with a camera looking at your face all day long, uh, but as an avatar. And they've done they've done studies that have come out recently that that show that people actually uh, communicate emotions and feelings far better when there's no video involved, uh, which sounded counter counterintuitive to me until I started experiencing that training in virtual worlds where I could just tell people just like, hey, here's a problem. Go break into the subgroups that, that you want to break into and uh, go off in some side rooms and solve some problems and come back and share with the rest of the group what you've done, where I don't have to assign breakout rooms and, and do all this overhead, which was a lot of work as a trainer, which disengages people. When people feel they have control over their environment and their behavior and their movement, then they they act differently. They don't just sit around waiting for the trainer to do something in Zoom. They don't feel as controlled as as uh, and they don't feel the freedom that they they do in a virtual environment. So, a lot of those tools are evolving um, and growing. And um, there's some studies that show that we've accelerated some of these tools in the last year um, as much as we would have a decade without the pandemic. And uh, so I think that innovation is going to continue um, as we come out of the pandemic and, and discover, you know, these people that moved into my neighborhood are not going back to the Bay Area and they're still going to need these tools. That sounds really exciting, Clint. Some of those virtual reality tools seem like a lot of fun. 
And I personally have some experience with that type of platform at the conference that I attended last year. And I can speak to what you were sharing with us about how it felt to be part of that virtual reality experience. And it was so much more engaging than a typical Zoom session. So thanks for sharing that with us. So going back to your book, what would you tell us is your favorite tip from the many things that you are sharing with us in the book that you wrote? Oh, it's hard to select your favorite child, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I like, I like the collaborative things. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of, of things. I mean, there's different, different categories, you know, like I tinker around with building devices in my spare time. And, and, uh, you know, one of these, one of these things, uh, we did, even when we weren't distributed was to have a little light that would blink when something's gone wrong. Like some, you know, somebody checks in something uh, and it breaks the build and, and, you know, the build is broken and you want a little red light that turns on. So I like little devices like that. We've done that with lava lamps and, and uh, that's, it's just part of it's just building toys and having fun with building toys. But I like the collaborative uh, and the team building exercise. Like there's one in there that's called uh, open space. Uh, which is where we get large groups of people together. And again, this is where the virtual worlds are really beneficial. So you can get, you know, 20, 30, 100 people together in a large environment, standing in a circle and, um, and creating this, uh, facilitating this uh, group exercise where we can, we can uh, just throw a ball around and catch the ball. And, and the person that has the ball is the one that can speak. And, uh, and then we come up with ideas. We, we might, uh, we might uh, go through one hour rounds where we say, let's come up with a half a dozen ideas about improving how we work together as a distributed team. And we'll form these six separate groups and people can walk around between the groups and offer suggestions about how we communicate instantaneously, uh, about how we share the progress of our product, especially if we have very, you know, very low speed internet access, uh, like we do in the mountains. and um, and and be able to you know, communicate more frequently without all the overhead, for example. And so we'll, we'll talk about these half a dozen different problems. And every 45 minutes, we'll get together and talk about the potential solutions. And then we'll go through iterations of this. And so this is kind of a remote version of a tool called Open Space that uh, found very effective because, you know, with remote work, you know, it, it's, it's just easier to isolate. And it's, it's very, it's harder to kind of organize and just grow go around and gather people together and say, hey, listen, we're going to spend the next hour all together in a group in the cafeteria and um, talk about how we can we can improve things. A little bit of more overhead of doing that, but that practice of open space uh, in the book is an example of how you can quickly, quickly do that. Hmm, that's interesting. It sounds like a creative way to adapt to the working environment that we're faced with today. It's a people problem rather than a technology problem in many cases. Sure, absolutely. So is there anything else that you would like to share with us about your book that we haven't already spoken about? Well, I, we kind of talked about how it was kind of collaboratively created. You know, we, we planted this seed of the first 30 practices that we'd seen in, around studios, uh, Grant and I. And then um, we facilitated this large um working group at a conference. And so I think it's just, it, it only makes sense that, 
you know, we do something like that for a new edition is after, you know, we've experimented, we've learned, we've discovered over the past year, we've made about a decade of progress that we ought to do that again. We ought to get a group of people, hundreds of people together in a virtual space and uh, come up with some new ideas. Let's come up with the next hundred things that you've discovered over the last year and uh, throw those together into a, you know, a, a new edition of the book that we can share. Again, make it, make it collaborative. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of great tips that are available in your book. And for our listeners who are interested in learning more, can you please share with us where they would be able to obtain a copy of your book? Sure. Uh, well, there's a, there's a website called remoteteamworktools.com. And uh, there's a link there as well to join a mailing list so that you know, if and when we get that uh, workshop together, um, that uh, you'll get an announcement of, of how to join that. Okay, wonderful. Well, today we've been speaking with Clinton Keith, author of Remote Teamwork Tools. Clint, I want to thank you so much for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly appreciate your insight, and we know our listeners will benefit from your experience. Well, thanks so much for the time, Katina. This was, this was uh, fun. Absolutely. Absolutely.